0: Okay, so this morning, um, I came to a little realization exactly uh, why I'm in the position I'm in. So let's talk about this. Western Buddhism, I would argue even worse, is online Buddhism, right? So here I was just about to explain to the wife something that I've realized recently myself and something that made me very sad that I saw recently. Uh, So I picked up at the thrift store, the Tibetan book of living and dying. Uh, I was fully aware of the fact that Sogyo Rinpoche is now defrocked. Uh, well, of course, he's passed now. But the story gets pretty sad. Okay, so let me just tell you. So the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying sold millions of copies. It was popular. Mainly because, as I've mentioned to you, there wasn't a lot uh, of the Bardal Thodul that had been translated. Because it being a tantric text, um, they felt it should be kept as such, esoteric. Uh, as I mentioned, um, there were portions that had been translated. I got some from uh, Ivan Wentz. Um, I can't really remember at this point. Again, I'm not, I'm not uh, scripting these podcasts. But needless to say, there was very little that had been translated up until uh, late 80s, early 90s. So you start reading, even then they were just portions. Uh, complete translations, only a recent thing. Which I should do a review on that. Neither here nor there. So here I am talking about Sogye Rinpoche. As I said, um, guilty of some horrible things. In fact, they say that he died of liver disease, right? Because of his alcohol abuse, right? Um, He used the excuse that he was transmuting things like alcohol abuse and sexual abuse um, through tantric practices. Uh, And there is... Some, and I even saw this on Reddit recently, you know, talking about using some of these tantric sex practices um, in meditation or, um, right, I've mentioned this before in my podcast, that there is a history of Taoist uh, tantric sex practices and arguably um, even in the Tibetan tradition, but, you know, they don't talk about it. <laughs> but if you look at the yab yum that I've talked about, that's... Uh, um, the deities in, um, what's the term they usually call, but you know, they're in uh, coitus, right? <laughs> but we're talking about Sogyal Rinpoche. And I never understood why these people still support these um, individuals. And the example I was beginning to use with the wife was Pema Children. I don't understand why anyone supports her still. That said, I really don't understand why people support Titznat Han. I understand he's helpful to some people, but he's just gotten beyond weird over the decades. It's really arguably a cult, right? Um, But this is what I'm getting to. Why have I been um, immune to this ridiculousness? I've been trying to understand why people are the opposite, that they're actually, um, they seem drawn to this sort of ridiculousness. So as I said... I have issues with a number of these traditions that will teach compassion and you know, all these... Um, well, let's just talk about it. The boundless qualities of, of loving kindness, compassion, equanimity. and You know, all these um, joyful... Um, it, it doesn't matter. These teachings are simple. The right uh, path, sama actions are very clear. You don't abuse your position... For anything, you don't use sex as a, uh, you do not do this. So when Pema children supported Sogyal Rinpoche for a long time, even abused some of um, the victims, I don't think we should support her anymore. Yet some people won't even listen to this fact. And what's worse is she has flip-flopped so many times how can we actually agree that these teachings are something to appreciate, right? As I said, I'm on Reddit, and I noticed someone's talking about Sogyal Rinpoche. I mean, it's 2020, as if anyone doesn't know about this. And someone chimed in. I guarantee you they're a member of one of these cults. Shambhala was another one. People, There's nothing left of Shambhala, but then someone will say, oh, it's so great, whatever. So someone's defending that his teachings were so great. But that's forgetting the fact that his son is now doing the exact same thing, and Pema Children has gone from um, supporting his father, Sogyal Rinpoche, and um, abusing the abused, to having said that, "Oh well, I understand now," and you know, and she was still organized, still um, affiliated with the organization, yet she was saying how terrible. Uh, the abuse was, so she flip-flopped from saying, teaching all this compassion, and then she's abusing the abusers and denying this sex abuse, and I have other examples, in fact, there's one that I think is a great uh, teacher and an abbess, but she's guilty of it as well, she's even mentioned that she would have been okay with uh, with having sex with her Rinpoche, her teacher at the time um, if she hadn't have been so, it's really quite a, a disturbing story. But, so th- this is incredibly rampant. And yet we're still supporting these people. Like I said, I don't understand why Pema Children's still being supported. Because as I said, she flip-flopped from one um, saying that she supports all this. And this is meant to be. any super enlightened to, oh no, that's horrible. But she's still supporting the organization. And now she stepped away. I don't know the details because it's flip-flopped so many times. So now the son is back in this organization and she's either in or out or doesn't matter. If you're a Buddhist and, and your tenants are tested and you fail, and when you realize you failed and you don't call yourself to account, because it's a perfect example, I am a horrible person. I constantly fail, but I'm guilty of it as well, but in a different way. I am so tough, but not in the right way, of course. There's areas that I need to be tough around myself, but I'll remember where I make a mistake, but I won't remember where I did a good, um, did it well. Kind of in reverse here, where you know, they'll take thousands of dollars to teach uh, about how important compassion is, yet they'll turn around and abuse an abuse victim or support an abuser, or try to explain that there's any excuse. And I'm not speaking specifically to anyone. I'm talking about what I've come to realize. It's this cult guru, teach me, I can't do it myself, right? Wondering what happened to all the sufficiency in Buddhism, why any of the effectiveness has been stripped out of the Western um, Version, and I've come to realize it's because it's the same thing that I ran into with people with my disease. You tell them. In fact, I ran into this with the chronic pain. Um, again, on on social media, you'll have someone say, "Oh my God, I'm having such a hard time," and but they're not doing anything else in their life. They want to either take pain pills or they maybe add, um, you know, a plant that might be known to help reduce their symptoms, but. They'll continue to eat like a a jerk or they'll continue to be a jerk, right? I mean, I know this firsthand. I come from uh, a stressful background, both the childhood but also even the career. But what I found is I was unaffected by the work stress. It was the actual people stress that I had trouble with. And this is where I kind of see myself as immune to all this junk. Because I actually came to, I guess you could say, tantric Buddhism, but I'll explain what I mean by that. Uh, Madhyamaka, the middle way, uh, Yogacara, I mean, sunyata-type doctrine. I'm a, a mind-centric um, type Buddhist. And how did I come to this? Well, I'm an atheist, pretty uh, zealotly athe- atheistic when I was young. what would even... Pause it to say that I'm more of an agnostic now because I mean, how can I know if there is a greater power? But I have no doubts. I am convinced, uh, for myself, there isn't. Uh, Or uh, Nietzsche, Nietzsche. Well, I don't know. I watched a weird, weird way to pronounce Nietzsche this morning. It was kind of a a farce, but now I can't even remember how to pronounce it. Nietzsche said that man would be god if not for his stomach. What he means is our desires are our, our own ego delusion. But what am I getting at? Well, I started to research. I was a theosophist, as I've mentioned, right the moral basis of religion, but they were very esoteric, not, not for me, obviously. I mean, even the Pure Land um, speaks to me, but only in the sense of liberation none of the mystical aspects have any interest uh, or, honestly, any weight in anything that I do. So, fast forward, right? Existentialist for a while, uh, reading Western philosophy. I think it was the right way of doing it. I see so many Westerners, I guess they hate their own culture so much they go and uh, jump into a new culture. I wasn't like that, right? I've mentioned this before. and I studied uh, the philosophers. In fact, that's where this... Funny topic came up. somebody was talking about uh, honore de Balzac and he was talking about Proust he mispronounced it so horrible it was actually uh, you know it was it was pretty rough, <laughs> but it caught me thinking right and talking about honore de Balzac and it got me to think why people worship these different individuals right and, and why these individuals have such zealous support. I mean, a great example would be Soka Gokai. I mean, in every definition of the word, Soka Gokai is a, is, a, is a cult. Um, they don't teach people, they say they're based on Buddhist, but they don't teach anything about Buddhism except repeat this one mantra. If you don't repeat it right, well, you're doing it wrong. But why was I uh, immune to this? Well, I come to realize that I was a lone practitioner. That's why I joke about Pacheka path, uh, Pratyaka Buddha. Because I was way up north. I mean, yes, like I said, I started with Western philosophy because that's what I could get my hands on. I've mentioned this before, how I was introduced to the I Ching. It was because I picked up books wherever I could get them and anything I could get. So, you know, I read Rousseau, Voltaire, Right, because I spoke French and it helped me maintain my French. Proust, Zola. But when I came across gentlemen like I said, Nietzsche or Camus, I really loved Camus, I didn't see the nihilism in existentialism. Same as Buddhism. When I learned the the marks of existence, that life is inherently dissatisfying, we suffer. There is no self- I understood this. I don't know why uh the dependent origination spoke to me so. But the impermanence gave me a freedom like nothing else, right? For me impermanence wasn't oh my, nothing lasts, how sad is that. It was the opposite. Same as every other aspect that I seem to be discovering. For me, impermanence was a joy. It was the bliss to know that this suffering is temporary. Right. That's why I posit, if you look at history, Bodhicitta, Mahayana, uh, Madhyamaka, Yogacara, Chittamara, Chittamatra, um, Bodi Bodhidharma, I mean, the list is long that around the 5th, 6th, 7th century, when there was a global catastrophe, that global crisis produced incredible leaps forward in philosophy. Right? But again, I'm not talking about that. That should be a topic of another podcast. It's quite interesting. Go and look at 535, 536 AD up to 541 to 545 it's really quite interesting. It was even the birth of Islam and uh, quite a bit changed throughout the world. But what I came to realize is what I thought was my, I guess, my, uh, my bad fortune to be in the middle of nowhere with no access to resources and you know, having to uh, take books in French uh, because, you know, I didn't have access to them in English or vice versa, right? Um, you know, using uh, thrift stores as best I could. And, and, and really the problem that I started to see was some of this stuff was so old that it had been uh, superseded by other publications or even, you know, um, editors had fixed some of the mistakes. But again, right, beggars and choosers, for me, oh my, how how horrible was it for me not having access to all these things? But anyways, fast forward. I read it, read for myself, uh, came upon uh, Buddhism, right? Uh, the Pali system for me at the time seemed selfish, right? Self-liberation. And why? Because, I mean, I was suffering. So what really, I guess, attracted me uh, was the Mahayana tradition, the bodhicitta, the mind of uh, liberation, the mind of enlightenment, of wisdom. I love that because for me, it was difficult um, to understand where some of this uh, um, trauma and hate was coming from. So to use compassion and metta practice, karuna and metta, uh, loving kindness and compassion practice, to think of uh, the suffering in the world, to think of even the most horrible um, Person, uh, labels. But to think, even your abuser has a reason. Right? I mean, because even in my family, my father had a reason. My grandfather, his father, spent six years in Bomber Command. Not not a pretty thing to know that 20% of the time, every time he went out, he likely wouldn't come home. No surprise he came home sick. He, there's other stories too, but... So it was that compassion that worked for me. So maybe that's why. But long story short, what I came to discover is I never chose one guru. Maybe it's because I, I read the Gita and the Upanishads, the bardo Thaddeul and, and Rousseau and uh, Sartre, um, all at the same time or around the same time it's uh, i think it was my agnosticism that allowed me to not um listen to one too much right so sorry long story short had too long didn't read is I'm looking at Sogyal Rinpoche and I'm wondering why people still defend him or defend Pema Chodron or honestly will defend any idiocy. It's the same thing as when in the Bardoth, the Duel. Most people say, oh, well, the Tibetans are so tantric and it's so crazy. They've got all these demons and they dress funny. Well, when you go and read this, it will actually even tell you that these horrible demons are all manifestations of the mind. and People wonder, "It's oh, well, they're so weird and the reincarnation aspect, that's something I've been thinking on. Uh, that's a real, uh, that's a real stumper there. Uh, you know, do you need to believe in reincarnation or don't you? To to be a good Buddhist. Uh, I argue that you only need to believe in cause and effect. You don't even really need to believe in any sort of uh, karma uh, besides what you do will result, uh, you know, kind of like... Uh, you know, a physics, right? Each action has an equivalent to reaction. That's really all you need to understand, and to understand that we're the source of our own suffering with our ego-based desires, right? thinking that we're different than you and I deserve this or you don't, or it's this sufficiency that's missing, because arguably, people may not even want that sufficiency, because think about this. I find myself a little different because I, I like to chase answers. I actually don't mind not having answers. In fact, arguably, maybe that's, maybe my uh, my fetish, is uh, constantly pushing that, that envelope, uh, right, or or pushing that line further. That line of understanding. So for me. I'm looking for that sufficiency and I'm thinking maybe the majority of others don't want it because what does that boil down to? So if any of these individuals provide you with the answers that you need, that leaves you with one option. To do it, that's the problem. Bouncing around this, that, and the other thing. It's not just because I never stuck to one sect. I think it actually boils down to the simple fact that I'm looking for answers. And I'm honest with myself. that I'm failing at this. And I need need to do better. I need to try harder. And I need to understand more and better this, this idea of awakening. So for me, I always thought it was the gurus that were keeping... The, the essential um, gravitas the the meaning the 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 message they were they were keeping the message from the audience i 've come to realize that just like James Randy this man um, as the story goes was a magician uh, and he uh, in the tradition of Houdini but when um, Faced with a choice of either using this great power of illusion in the face of people wanting to be lied to. They wanted to be lied to. This power made him uncomfortable, right? He rebuked it. And he spent the rest of his career, right? Because this had to do more with uh, psychics, right? spent the rest of his career debunking psychics and all of these frauds. He had no problem with magicians or illusionists or any of that. As long as it's entertaining, you can fool people. But when you tar- start to scam them, like these psychics, or he was the gentleman that helped uh, uncover these uh, Christian faith healers. Yet, even the Christian faith healer that he uncovered is still operating, making millions a year. That... Is the lesson? I've been thinking it was because I'm sectless, <laughs> not feckless, sectless, uh, without sect, asect. Uh, from the poly, get it? Add an a, it means not asect. But it's actually because I'm looking for sufficiency. I'm looking for the process that works, right? Like the opposite design. I'm not looking to sit and do nothing. I'm looking to do as the Gita instructed, as the Buddha instructed. It is action. It is karma. Because it is cause and effect. It is not sit and do nothing. So for me, I've come to realize that it's not the gurus that are keeping it from the students. It's the students that are keeping the guru from sharing the sufficiency. Because the moment that your guru tells you how to do it is the moment you go find another guru. Because how do you do it? You do it yourself. You put in the hard work. That's it. That's it. Sati. Mindful. It's a Pali word to remember. Dhyana is simply mind training. That's it. Four truths. Life is is inherently dissatisfying. It's, it's dis, uh, dukkha, which is a word meaning a potter's wheel that is um, unbalanced. Remember like this idea of Madhyamaka, the middle way. A potter's wheel, unbalanced. Just imagine not being able to um, throw a proper pot. Or if it's just a little unbalanced... It doesn't uh, keep you from doing your work, but it certainly makes it more difficult, right? And the marks of existence, we talked about this, that there is no self, right? Anything that you attribute to being you is no different than someone else, and it can even be traced back to an infinite uh, part, assemblage, aggregates, as they say. Suffering, it's not self. Anicca, dukkha, and finally, impor- impermanence, the most important. I mentioned this already. So it's anicca, anutta, and dukkha. These words are important because they're not as simple. right? It's not just simply impermanence, that nothing lasts. It's the idea of these labelings, like uh, Kipling said, treat triumph and disaster as the impostors they are. Why? Because they are no different. But, as they always say, it's not anything to do with external. It's all internal. The only difference between the good and the bad is how we relate to it. Remember when we say, you know, one man's treasure is another man's uh, trash or whatever that idea. That's not a story about some people like trash. That's a story that some people just don't understand. Right? It's perspective. There are no two perspectives, the same true, but there are some universal truths. That's why we talk about these four truths. They're universal, right? These marks of existence are universal as well. So the solution, right, if A, life is inherently dissatisfying, two, the the root of that suffering is our own ego, our own selfish-based desires, and there is uh, an end to this suffering, and that end is right, good uh, conduct, right? Samma in Pali, and it means not just good, but it means the best. And that's why I always loved Bodhisattva. Bodhi means wisdom, the ultimate wisdom, not just knowing, but to understand completely, without delusion, without bias, without anything, just the ultimate, the perfect, right? Paramitas, another word meaning perfections. And sattva, interestingly, comes back, comes in from the Vedic, which means the best any being can be, right? So for me, that was the truth of it. And so those eightfold path, however you want to call it, I just call it right sama actions. Right? Good actions. Right? So, like I said before, there's concentration, there's meditation. This is jnana. It's simply mind training. Right? It's right thought, right speech, right view. It depends on the translation. It's really quite interesting. Even right view is important. I spent three hours in a course as they spoke of samaditi, which is right view. And they never really once talked about what right view is. It's not so much having a right view about what's right or what's wrong or, um, you know, is, is, is uh, Wednesday, uh, you know, a nice day out or do you like rain or don't you like rain? Samaditi speaks to right view of, wait for it, the source of our dissatisfaction, right? Right view of the cessation of that dissatisfaction and the right view of right, that proper path. So it goes back to the four truths, three marks of existence, and the eightfold path. Not that you got to do this, that, and the other. It's just making the right path and right choice. You could talk about right intention. That's, that's where it begins and ends. Right? Right understanding. It can begin and end there. Because right? I've seen people who think that it's a step or it's, no, 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 no. It's a guide, right? It's a cheat sheet, right? Not all the answers are in there, but all the answers are in there, right? So here I was thinking, oh, well, I was feckless. Again, not feckless, feckless. Arguably, I am feckless, but not what I'm talking about here. Stay on task. So it wasn't a lack of a guru, But arguably, I mean, just I never really understood this, that people are unwilling to accept sufficiency because it's empowering. And empowering means you got to do something.